You're listening to Speak Up on CJSF 90.1 FM Burnaby. We're the campus and community radio station at Simon Fraser University, where we broadcast from unceded Coast Salish territories. We are dancing in with Soul Makasa, Mano Dibango. This is Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C, right here in the place to be, CJSS Radio 90.1, with your Friday Speak Up show. Have we got a treat in store for you. Good morning, good morning. This is the last Friday in February, and our special Black History Month features. My guest today is Rashid Lani. He is an internationally acclaimed pianist, arranger, producer, and recording artist with many accolades. But what I know him best is a man who is kind, genuine, authentic, and loving human being. Welcome, Brother Rashid. Hi, thank you so much, Sister uh, C. Good to be here with you and your audience. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we've been talking about the African diaspora, and you travel from Africa to England to L.A. all over. What is your concept? And uh, Tell us a little bit about your movings internationally as a musician. Well, um, I um, I was born in South Africa, and um, it's very interesting. I think the Africa diaspora is really the story of uh, the human race. I mean, uh, I believe that uh, I mean all of I mean of, of the human race began in Africa and then basically spread out to all parts of the world. At one time, we were one people uh, in terms of uh, tribe. Now we meet many different peoples, and different tribes, but one source. We still come from that same source. But in terms of the way that it's um, identified today, uh, yeah, I've traveled, I mean, from Africa to Europe, um, and uh, I guess. You know, I haven't really been to many parts of Asia as yet. I've been to, I mean, I've been to the Middle East, um, and I had a brief sort of uh, stay over in, in Tokyo. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> I mean, my uh, hope is that I will spend more time in, in places like Indonesia and China, even though my ancestors, some of my ancestors do come from um Indonesia. So, um, you know, I have 
I mean, the, the whole mix of the Khoisan, which is the Bushman people of, of Southern Africa, which is um, apparently considered the oldest uh, race of, of or tribe of, of people that, I mean, you know, that are living currently or presently in, in the world, as we know it. And then I also have that strain of uh, Indonesian, Malaysian uh, heritage um, growing up in, in South Africa, and they call it sort of the Cape Malay um, strain that came there around uh, the 16th century with, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Dutch East India Company where the Dutch had uh, basically conquered uh, uh, Asian parts of the, of the world I mean, for their spices and then they brought, I mean, the people that they had basically caught, I mean, and conquered and enslaved, they brought them down to uh, South Africa and a whole new race of people were born and I'm a product I mean, of that. So I have Dutch and French influences as well in my biology. But being in Africa, I mean, you obviously, I mean, you have a whole different uh, concept of what it means to to live and be um, being born on that continent. Uh, you get a sense of, you know, your your history in terms of the foundation of what you, humanity is really all about, which is tied into, you know, the Hebraic races and the whole story of Genesis in the Bible. So that's my connection. That's fascinating because we're getting a, a history lesson as we learn about you as a musician. Uh, a lot of people don't know yeah. about this spice trade, the connection to the different. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing how travel actually creates that uh, sort of a racial uh, interaction. And then there's. Uh, that interaction leads to potential, um, you know, uh, could lead to marriage or it could lead to forced marriage given a colonial kind of or war kind of situation. But the product, I mean, thereof are always the kids, you know, and, uh, and I'm one of those kids, basically, that are a product of the, the travels and the travails of um, you know the vicissitudes of the times that we live in then and now that brings me to a very related uh, song of yours that we're going to play Remembrance and it's from uh, your uh, Rashid Lani Quintet which featured Ernie Watts oh, yeah. and Umilti Magical Medicine so I think we're going to be learning something about the magic of your heritage and your great music Thank you. Thank you so much, Sister C. Are, are you going to play that now? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Here it comes. Oh, okay. <laughs>
Wow, that was Yamuthi, the magical medicine created by Rashid Lani Quintet. And this is Speak Up, Listen Up, Act Upon, Charlotte Ferrell, your own sister C, right here at CJSF Radio and 90.1 in Burnaby. Rashid Lani is an international traveler, composer, pianist, recording artist, and we see he's a bit of a historian who has a magical background. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your experiences with the legendary leader Nelson Mandela. Um, yeah, no, that was some kind of experience. Um, after, uh, you know, I was part of uh, four uh, songwriters that had written a song called The People Want Mandela. And uh, basically, I mean, it, it featured uh, some of the most prominent uh, South African artists um, at the time. Uh, like Brenda Farsi, who was considered like the Madonna of Africa. We had DJ Powers, we had uh, Ray Peary, I mean, <clears throat> and a whole list of, of, of others, some that appeared uh, in the Paul Simon Graceland album. Um, and uh, when the song was released, it got banned almost immediately uh, by the South African government. And so, I mean, up until today, uh, you know, people never really heard the song. But thankfully, uh, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela, Baba Mandela, did actually get to hear the song. And when he was released, um, four days after he was released, he requested that, I mean, you know, he meet he meet with us, songwriters, and everybody that was part of that recording. And, and, and in front of the, you know, uh, international press conference, uh, we uh, were introduced to them, and he formally thanked us for, I mean, creating the music that helped to keep him alive in prison, to give him hope and inspiration, and to know that his people were still there fighting the fight and supporting him I mean, and his comrades I mean, in prison, and that what they were doing wasn't for nothing. And so he just wanted to acknowledge us. I mean, for being there. And then shortly uh, thereafter, um, it was his birthday, and the U.S. Embassy actually um, hosted his first birthday party, and I was invited to play piano at his birthday. So yeah, so that was my experience with uh, Nelson Mandela. It was a very fulfilling and proud moment for me. Yeah, that was fabulous. Uh, maybe they'll now re-release the song since there's no one to ban it being played. Oh, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a, a very crazy situation. Two of the songwriters that were part of that song, I mean, has uh, unfortunately passed away. But people can go online on YouTube and they'll find the song. It's called "The, the People Want Mandela." You know, and um, it's, it's a fabulous historical by bi- bi- you know bio about. Um, uh, of Nelson Mandela and, and our struggle. You've worked with some other artists in South Africa. Uh, Mary yeah. Makiba. What are, what are some of the uh, things that, ways that they touched your life and influenced your music? Um, uh, you know, I mean, some of the people, because I was quite a uh, active, I mean, as a, a, I mean, as a political activist as well, and so my interactions weren't weren't, weren't always musical. I mean, as it were, uh, you know, uh, but it it did 
in, involves me coordinating and connecting with um, some of the greats, like Murray Makeba in, in the past, where I actually, uh, you know, helped to do um, create a sort of, uh, or facilitate a pathway for them back home from exile. And um, and then there was someone like Hugh Masekela, who, whom I did perform with. I mean, um, and I mean various other lesser-known exiles um, that came back home. I, I'm, of course, I met uh, Abdullah Ibrahim, who was formerly known as Dollar Brand. Uh, but what I learned from the, from from uh, these uh, giants of South African music was that. Um, I mean, they were what you would call intrepid warriors, people who knew through their music that they were born free, that they were, uh, you know, that they were powerful. I mean, and even though the environment, I mean, was oppressive and that they could see that the people were, I mean, were being oppressed, they managed to escape um, South Africa and, and, and they found that they were welcomed with wide open arms, um, you know, in the in the uh, international community, I mean, there were so many anti-apartheid movements um, throughout the world, in in Europe, in America, in Asia, and and you know, uh, the exiles were getting all manner of support, and um, it was through I mean that support that they were able to continue their music and thrive, and and, and through their recordings that they were able to make uh, outside of South Africa, it gave us as musicians hope. That I mean, we weren't like caged kind of uh, animals that would never find a voice in the international community. Uh, and Murray McEver was the first South African, maybe one can argue, African woman who addressed the uh, the, the General Assembly at the United Nations and, and actually made our story of oppression known to the rest of the world. So it was through, I mean, the voice of, I mean, I mean, firstly a woman, and then secondly um, a, a, a singer and an activist, that uh, the South African story was made known to the rest of the world um, at the United Nations. I think that's important that you mention that. I'm remembering that uh, particular time, both in Toronto and in L.A., that when Mary McKeever would come, or where there were so many. Uh, meetings and demonstrations against apartheid and students being involved just inter- intergenerationally and interracially people were coming to hear the musicians that were bringing forth the stories yeah it was it was a great story i mean and there was sort of a a, a mirroring as it were of i mean the struggles of i mean the african-american people here in america and, and and many lessons were shared and also observed um, about you know through the civil rights uh, movements that were led by you know people like Martin Luther King Jr. and um, you know just, I mean how the South I mean you know the goings on in Alabama in um, in, in the North Carolina uh, and you know how the, the black people here were trying to. I mean, get their voice heard, and and the incredible contributions that African American people were making to the culture of America, but were completely ignored. I mean, and it was, I was so I mean enthralled. I mean that Catherine Johnson, one of the people that were considered, I mean, uh, you know, part of the hidden figures that contributed 
to actually uh, passing, I mean, uh, creating the, the, I mean, a pathway for, I mean, the rockets to be to be uh, to be launched and flown in space. Uh, I mean, uh, for for astronauts like John Glenn, who wouldn't go into space unless, I mean, you know, those calculations were confirmed by someone like Captain Johnson. Um, it was just so awesome that finally they, I mean, now that, I mean, uh, in the twilight years of their lives that they were given the acknowledgement. And, you know, if, if our society, I mean, could just realize that, you know, all people uh, want and seek and need acknowledgement. And when you acknowledge anybody and everybody, you create an environment, I mean, a fertile environment for all kinds of creativity and genius to manifest. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, but do you see today a shift away or a resurgence of musicians and filmmakers writing stories that help people to understand the contributions people have made before they're passed on or in their elder years? I mean, I think technology and and, and certainly because uh, from a numerical perspective where there's so many people who are actually going into the arts and and, and finding I mean, the, the, the new technologies that are actually allowing people not to only be bound by, um, uh, you know, organizations to help them be expressive. You are actually empowered. Now. You can empower yourself uh, to, to, you know, appropriate the technology to, to do the expression all by yourself, uh, provided that, I mean, you're inspired and, you know, um, you have a, a sense of purpose. You can, I mean, definitely find many ways to express, I mean, your importance or your uh, significance as a human being on this planet today. I think your presence and contributions uh, as a human being on the planet have been recognized with some awards. You had a Golden Horn Award for Best Achievement in Original Score. Um, how did that feel and come about? Well, I mean, it, it was very interesting. The director of the film, uh, Madla Dubert, I mean, he uh, lived in Los Angeles um, and uh, for a while, and he was the, uh, one of the cinematographers at the Agape International Center, Spiritual Center. And uh, I, I had not, I, I had no idea that he was South African. And um, but I, and I was there long before him, so I, I never interacted with the people in the media ministry. But until one day, when uh, Reverend Michael, the the founder and, and, and lead minister of of, of Gape, um uh, announced that he, you know, that he was um, also from South Africa. And I was like, wow, I've got to meet this guy. And then eventually when we met, I mean, it was like, you know, I, I just met another brother. Um, and, and that we'd kind of known there was such a, I mean, fraternal uh, brotherly spirit between us and love for each other. And he said, Rashid, please will you write, um, uh, you know, the, the score to my first movie when I make it? Because my plans are, you know, I'm going to... The uh, American Film Institute. I'm going to be studying there for a while, and when I graduate, I'm going to make my first movie. Will you promise to write this book? And I said, I promise. Well, uh, many years later, I got a call from a and He said, I'm making my movie. Will you please come? I'm doing a movie. And I said, What's the movie about? He said, No, it's about 
Solomon Mashlangu, um, who is uh, popularly known as Kalushi, which means the shepherd. And, uh, and 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 Kalushi's story is about I mean this school, young I mean uh, school going boy who I mean whose only interest was to I mean finish his studies was to want to spend I mean and support his his family because his father uh, had um, had died and, and so um, and here I mean because of political political circumstances around 1976 in South Africa. He um, he's pulled into I mean um, an environment where he has to uh, I mean he's sort of torn between being a good student, being a good son and brother uh, to his family, versus being I mean um, an oppressed human being because of the color of your skin in, in South Africa. And he, uh, he being a, him being a very practical kid, I mean he chose to continue studying because he was a a an an A student. He was an A student, and so being an being an A student, he uh, you know he wanted he wanted I mean you know wanted to continue studies. There was no reason for him to boycott and, and protest and riot like many of his other contemporaries and peers. And uh, but until he had his own personal experience, where you know when he was selling uh, fruit one day on. on um, you know, on on the trains, which was illegal, they caught him, and then thoroughly uh, abused him, beat him up. I mean, they uh, excuse my language, but they they peed on him, they pushed on him, basically, and um, humiliated him to such a degree that I mean, there was just no return to the life and consciousness he had prior to that experience. And then he decided that he was going to become a uh, uh, yeah, freedom fighter, and joined the African National Congress. And uh, his travels took him to Mozambique, and from Mozambique, you know, uh, uh, the refugee camp there. I mean, he was then sent to uh, Lusaka in um, in Zambia, and from uh, in, uh, Zambia he went to Angola. Um, and when he went to Angola, um, he became you know they there were sort of military camps there, and he was trained as a as a freedom fighter and you know then they were sent back to south africa and um you know they were going to bomb and explode some installations i mean it was i mean it was it was a time of um of the uh, sort of resistance movement where uh, talking was not providing any results, and they decided they were going to take up the armed struggles, which meant that they were going to start physically engaging with, I mean, the South African defense forces and the, milita- the police forces. And <clears throat> so they started uh, uh, blowing up uh, some installations. They always tried, I mean, not to, I mean, harm people, but unfortunately, um, you know, they were, out, they were um, uh, like most wars, there would uh, uh, be collateral damage. And uh, but eventually he was caught, um, and um, you know the rest of the world. I mean, uh, came together, rallied for him to be released because he was basically a school kid. Mm. And, uh, and uh, 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 but the, the South African government uh, realized the pressure they were receiving internationally. Um, you know about Solomon and, and his sort of story. But they decided, no, they have to, you know, uh, make a, basically 
create, I mean, an environment of fear. So they had to make a lesson and create a lesson. And the lesson was the hanging of Kalushi. Oh. You know, so that, you know, obviously that example uh, would, would deter other people from doing that. And and this story is not unlike my own story, where I was a political activist, and I was imprisoned and tortured in prison, and um, you know, and I was nearly thrown off a building, which was one of their famous ways of killing activists in South Africa, and they were on the verge of throwing me off. This, I mean, the building. I was on the thirteenth floor, and, and basically threatened me that I would die, like many of the others who came before me. And so, I mean, when, <clears throat> when uh, Mandla invited me I mean, to, to write the music for the film, it was like, in, in, a, in, in some way, it was like my own story. And so when I engaged with the script and then the poem, I mean, it was such an emotional experience for me uh, that, uh, you know, it was, it, it was kind of a cathartic experience in, in, in one way. But uh, really, I was writing my own life story or soul story, as it were. And I guess the results of that garnered me um, uh, quite a few awards. You know, um, it was the Golden Horn, which is similar to I mean, the Oscars um, here in the, I mean, the U.S. And then I got uh, a BRICS award, which was, um, uh, you know, a, 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 the... So the South African, Brazilian, Russian, Chinese, Indian, um, uh, South African award that um, I've been mean, gotten the recognition I mean, for, for, uh, of, this, of the music in, in the movie as well. And the film garnered uh, quite a few other awards in festivals and so forth. Wow, and you know, those few minutes that they give people to accept an award, you don't get to have the richness of a story like that and the comparison with your life. Thank you for sharing that. Um, oh, you're very welcome. So Kalushi now is going to be in Netflix as a series of episodes? Uh, yeah, so so basically, I mean, uh, uh, we were so heartened uh, uh, and, and, and so, I mean, grateful that Netflix had seen the, the movie and um, said that you know they they basically had to uh, uh, stream the movie. So Netflix, the movie Kalushi, K A L U S H I, is now available on Netflix. That has been uh, since December, and it will be there for a while, I guess. And it'd be great if I mean uh, your audience would actually tune in and. Uh, you know, watch and listen to um, I mean the, the the movie and and the music. I mean, yeah, we definitely appreciate it. You know, we're definitely ahead of most other people that just hear about it because now we understand uh, how that was related to the protest and then what happened to this child who had had such a desire for education, but then in being a freedom fighter yeah. was made an example of it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. So now we're going to experience a minute of the magical journey you take people on in this excerpt of a sync solo view while you were playing at the Agape Spiritual Center. Okay.
you just got to hear a little of where Rashid Lani takes you when he's playing. And, you know, if you see that on YouTube, he you're talking to someone. The times that you're playing it, you go somewhere. Uh, where are you when you're playing? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm I'm basically lost. <laughs> I'm lost. I'm lost in the the magic, um, a magical space, uh, a world of creativity. And really, I always, I mean, I always remembered when Quincy Jones and um, so many of the great artists that were singing, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, as part of the We Are the World. Song and project at the time was that um, the only way that they could do the, I mean, uh, produce the song was, um, you know, request that artists leave their egos at the at the door of the studio and to re- really bring in their spirit, so to, so to speak. And um, and Quincy, oh, I mean, I mean, it's philosophy and theory. I mean, when he's producing a studio, uh, is, uh, was always that, you know, you always prepare up to eighty percent of what you need to do in the studio, and you allow God to walk in, and then the rest, the, uh, the rest of I mean, the twenty percent, and and really, that's I mean, you know, I've had many years of study, and you know, when I'm in a musical moment, I'm, I'm not thinking of of my study. I just allow God to to use me, or God to speak for me, as it were. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I think, I mean, that some people call it the zone, or, or you know, whatever. But I mean, it's really connecting to very deep part in my soul to to allow it to express what it needs to express in that moment. Yes, uh, no, uh, that song was from one of Ricky Byers' uh, chants. How do they lead you or connect with your spiritual practices and ways that that fuels your uh, creative pursuits? Well, I mean, if you know anything about Ricky Byers, I mean, Ricky Byers is considered one of the greatest living um, songwriters of, I mean, what they call new thought, ancient wisdom, music, uh, uh, lyrics that express uh, the joy of the soul, that express the yearning of the soul to connect with, I mean, with spirit and the love of God and creation. And so, I mean, that is really the foundation or the platform that um, as the, that invited and attracted me to uh, working and performing with Ricky. I mean, I, I perform with her often, uh, more so now than I ever have before. And um, I, uh, I mean. Um, I knew a mom, I mean, we just did a memorial for mom um, a week ago for Sunday. And, uh, you know, a, a mom was 94 years old and the life, I mean, that sort of um, I mean, expressed itself through, I mean, uh, Mama Baya. Yes. I mean, it was so exemplary in so many ways. I mean, not only as a human being that... Uh, spoke her truth. I mean, she was. Uh, um, she had a a very strong sense of self independence, uh, the strength. I mean, of what women can bring to the world, and uh, and she could be very stern. I mean, and acerbic in her humor uh, when she was trying to discipline you and help you along your path. 
Uh, and some of that is passed on to Ricky. I mean, Ricky is, is one of the most amazing musical directors. But, I mean, her songwriting has been, uh, uh, you know, basically lauded and applauded by people like Stevie Wonder, uh, Maurice White from Earth, Wind & Fire, um, Campbell and Huff, Brenda Russell, I mean, a whole list of, I mean, of, of, of musicians and songwriters that um, have honored Ricky in many ways. And so, I mean, for me to be part of a band as a keyboard player or pianist, I mean, you just see the expression of love, beauty, strength, independence. You see, I mean, you see women, but you see human beings that, I mean, that, that thrives when, you know, we're all in environment where we're recognizing the beauty of God expressing to us. And some of those people that you mentioned have, that worked with Ricky Byers are also people that you've worked with, Stevie Wonder, John Les Legend, and others. How has that influenced your personal creative range? Uh, basically, I mean, I mean, you get it's quite interesting, you know, when you uh, uh, when you're younger, I mean, you basically. Uh, Kind of have these dreams of, of where you want to basically find yourself in further down the, the I mean the road of, of your career and then uh, you know when you actually meet um, some or even many of the people that are actually at that level I mean you begin to realize that I mean there's so many facets to I mean a career in in the arts um, which obviously involves, I mean, I mean, the talents and gifts that God, I mean, had gifted us with. But at the same time, um, the amount of work, the amount of dedication and perseverance that one needs to appropriate I and mean, to embrace in order to get there, and then the whole like business aspect of, I mean, of show business um, that one needs to uh, inform uh, oneself um, and and educate oneself on, on is tremendous and, and and so many colleagues that I've known have, have, have given up and and you know life has so many twists and turns um, that sometimes you may not want to give up but if you have a family and you have when you have kids I mean a mouth that you have to feed and bills you have to pay it it alters I mean you know your perspective on what you thought you could be as an artist and so I'm grateful and thankful that I'm still on this path of being an artist and able to, be, you know, to, you know, romance and flirt and engage with my music and be uh, very much immersed in what I love to do and still make a, a living out of it. I love the way you express that. I'm picturing your music and embracing it, courting it, loving it. That's just such a beautiful <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> we, we're going to uh, listen to that song that you mentioned, uh, the collaborative song, uh, uh, singing for. If I may, I just want to say the album, the album Remembrance. Uh, one of the songs he played, Magical Medicine. Um, Umuti is basically a Zulu word for mag magical uh, medicine. And, and and basically, um, uh, you, you, the 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 album was a, a dedication to my father, 
who was a musician. I mean, he, you know, my, my grandparents didn't have the money to buy my father piano, um, and so he was forced to learn the, the accordion. Hmm. Um, and uh, you know, he then uh, transitioned to the organ, and then uh, you know, watching me play keyboards. He, he, and you know, his last years he was playing the keyboards, and it was really so. He became so trendy. I mean, as an, as as a father from from the generation he came from. So uh, remembrance was just my thank you to him, a tribute to him, and the love. For my my dad, I mean, of jazz, he loved jazz, but he could never play it the way that he, you know, that that I'm playing it or I played it. And so, yeah, the, the, um, remembrance was a labor of love for me. Wow. Well, the other labor of love that you did with others, the people want Mandela. We're going to share that right now. Okay, fantastic.
praise to the symbol of resistance. Let me dedicate my poetic praise to the symbol of hope and prosperity. Let me dedicate my poetic praise to the fountain of wisdom and inspiration. I talk of Nelson, Matiba, Mandela, the leader that stood the test of time, like gold and a diamond, in order to be refined. You have gone through the fires of time. Comrade Mandela, you are like an oak tree. You have survived all kinds of weather. Comrade Mandela, you are the hero. You are the veteran. You are the stalwart. You are the catalyst to unite. Yes, you are the father of the new nation, new South Africa, in the making, in the making, in the making. Oh, how we long for your freedom. People want Mandela. What a wonderful connection. Uh, today is the last Friday of February, and this is Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C, here at CJSF Radio 90.1 in Burnaby. And my guest is Rashid Lani, an internationally acclaimed pianist, arranger, producer, and recording artist who has anchored the beautiful results of connecting activism and spiritual values in their creative work. I think that describes you. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Thank you, uh, Sister C. Yeah. Um, where uh, are places that people could connect with you through social media or email? Well, uh, uh, basically, uh, my website is www.rashidlani dot com, which is uh, R for robot, A for apple, S for song, H for honey, I for ink, B for Donald, Lani, L for long, A for apple, N for Nancy, I for ink, and E for Edward. dot com. That's my website, and then uh, my, my email is Rashid at Rashidlani dot com. And um, you can find me all over social media. I'm on Facebook. I mean, as Rashid Lani, of course. Um, Instagram, um, I underscore gratification, which is <laughs> instant gratification. Um, and um, you can find me on Twitter as uh, at Golden Light, at Golden Light. And, um, you know, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as Rashid Lani as well. And uh, I guess uh, that's it. Well, that's that's a lot of options, but it's wonderful to just uh, have these particular things uh, to 
anchor that it is important. There have been people that have said that musicians or athletes should stick to their craft or performances rather than speak out on social issues. And you as an advocate and activist, uh, do you observe that there are more people that are making that shift to address issues or less? It's a very, it's a, it's a very um, sort of sensitive area for many artists. I mean, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I was conflicted for the longest times of how to juggle being a citizen versus being an artist because, you know, being a citizen, you don't have as much uh, responsibility with uh, sort of having concerns about how what you say affect, I mean, how it affects other citizens. Um, in 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 a sort of uh, in a country or political situation, and an artist. Uh, I mean, I for example, I mean, I didn't want to align myself with one political artist in South Africa formally, because I realized that I mean it was creating separation. You know, in the political realm, when you identify as a Democrat in America, I mean, the Republicans automatically have a sort of uh, I mean, uh, there's a sort of kind of tension. Uh, or if I'm a rep- Republican, I mean, the, 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 the Democrats um, react to you in a very terse or tense kind of way uh, until you say something which then confirms, I mean, their uh, disdain or their dislike or separation, however you want to put it. And and so um, so I mean, I've had to see myself because my art my my artistry. My whole purpose is to try and I mean, unite and unify people. So if I make statements that actually contradict I mean, the, the the foundations I mean of that that purpose, uh, then it then becomes a problem. To, I mean, as an artist, to speak politically, but how can one uh, not be political when everything about your government is creating policies that affect you politically? So, I mean, if you keep quiet, then you're allowing policies to basically uh, uh, affect I mean, your goings-on in the way that you interact and, with people and live in a society. And, and, and uh, you know, you then subjugate or oppress, I mean, the stones inside your soul that can identify or detect things that may not necessarily gravitate towards that aim or purpose or philosophy of unification. And how can you not speak out? So so then, you know, that part of you is, is battling against your, uh, your uh, vision as an artist to unify people. And then if people see you speaking out against certain policies, and then it, separa- it creates a separation again, and, and it's so, it's, so it's that to and fro that, I mean, it's a very, very difficult um, sort of uh, dance that artists, I mean, sort of find themselves in. And uh, at the end of the day, you, I mean, you know, you have to stand up for truth, I mean, for justice, for, I mean, what's right. And, you know, if it comes to that, I mean, I mean that's the part that I'm going to choose. And come with me, you know, but my heart and, you know, my consciousness and my spirit want people to actually find, I mean, even though they are in separate rivers, wants everyone to flow back into the ocean. That ocean of love, that ocean, I mean, that 
I mean, if if you believe in God and 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 you understand that God wants you to come back as one people, I mean, that ocean has to, I mean, uh, you know, in, include every human being, every race, I mean, every gender, every uh, idea. I mean, that you know, that that can be transmuted. And 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 I guess almost transcend. I mean the limitations of what human beings uh, or how human, where human beings find themselves to a place of love. You know, and really, I mean, if you're saying something and and love is not at the foundation of that, um, then you are going to create separation. And so I really want to find myself always. Using love as a foundation, as a springboard, as a platform to say and speak what I need to speak. And my dearest hope is that the effects of that will manifest that which is deeply, I mean, I mean that I yearn for deeply in my heart and soul. Yeah, I think you... For others. The things that you've been involved with... Uh, and the ways that you've supported other artists reflect that. Uh, and I think it also brings people back to uh, realizing this this is not a time to be apathetic. Uh, I've taught in different places and spoken, and the thing that I say, this is a, a democracy. It's a participatory democracy. If you don't participate in it, democracy goes to hell in a handbag or a briefcase. <laughs> and uh, it's not enough to, for people to just say, oh, it's too much, that we do have this calling to try and make the world a place that is just and a world that works for everyone. And uh, sometimes that does take, you know, being more strident at going to public meetings. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, absolutely, that, that's, absolutely, that's absolutely true. So we have to find ourselves in, the, in a space where, I mean, we can participate. And it's, I mean, you know, and what I like about South Africa's democratic um, environment, and also America, I mean, America's a republic, uh, which means that, you know, the smallest minority of, of peoples that find themselves in that democracy, their rights are going to be protected. So it's, I mean, it's this uh, 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 place, this notion of of, of republic uh, that's so important within a democracy, that it's not just a rule of the majority, it's a simple majority, and that, you know, we listen to everybody, because everybody wants to be acknowledged, everybody wants to be seen and heard, yes. you know, and, and so how do we create, I mean, how do we create that environment? For you know, these—I mean, these wishes and hopes, these dearest wishes and hopes of, of people, of human beings. How do we, I mean, create an environment for for us all to to come together and be heard and to embrace each other? I mean, it, through our limitations, our victories, you know, and tragedies, and what and whatever humanity expresses, you know, to see how similar, how common. We are in so many ways, and that our differences really are very small. And and, and and that, you know, love is the only way out. Love is the only way through it all. 
Right, and the music creates such a good platform for expressing love or reaching those vibrations. I know that you work with, and you know, Reverend Michael at Agape often talks about lifting the frequency um, to having that vibration of peace and love that goes through what you say and through the music you know, that you sing and words that people put on top of your music. Uh, you know what? So so sorry, uh, Charlotte. Uh, I didn't get that last uh, thing you said. W- what about music? Oh, we're saying the vibration. You know, we're talking about how uh, the messages of love and the way that you, the intensity that you play, that it raises the vibration. Reverend Michael talks often about lifting the vibration, going into a place, and if you have that vibration, high vibration of love, that you can lift it in a place that might be negative or cold. Yeah, and so and so so yes, I mean so so love yes, I mean love can definitely lift us, I mean out of that separation and also transcend, I mean I mean the limitations, I mean that we perceive because we are much bigger, you know, we much larger than any limitation uh, uh, that an environment, an ideology, or a sort of I mean oppression that anybody wants to visit on us, and so yeah, I mean agape, which means I mean I happy, mean, uh, which is Greek for uh, unconditional love. I mean, it's is really I mean where it's at, you know, it's that ocean out there that that we all I mean that we all as rivers have to I mean swim into. And, and and realize that we come from the same source, coming back to diaspora. I mean, humanity began in Africa. We spread throughout in the world, and eventually we are, we are expressing the one thought as many different races, many different um, nations, um, regions in the world. But truly, we just one idea, one source, and that source is love. Well, that brings you to something that I express poetically in the way that I end this show. We ask, what time is it? It is love time, poem time. Thank you so much for being our guest today. You do want to connect with Rashilani at Rashilani.com, and we will see you again next Friday. Thank you so much for this opportunity and this platform, Sister C. I'm so grateful to have communed with you and your audience. Have a fantastic rest of the day and weekend. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.